get in the pulpit early. We better have a testimony or something. Or I'm going to preach y'all to death tonight. Well, I can tell y'all are okay with it. Y'all didn't even say amen. Um, I was trying. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I was trying. I want to say to Janice and Cheryl, I noticed Cheryl was watching. This is Jim Raines' daughter. I want y'all to know we're praying for Brother Jim, and I know our church has been praying for him. Uh, he's had an extended stay in the hospital, then he had to go back, and so I know that they're just trusting the Lord in all that, so I was trying to send a message to them on there, and I don't know how to work all this stuff, so anyway, maybe somebody on Facebook can send them a message if they're not listening. Send Cheryl Ann a message, tell her we're praying for her dad, and if you're watching, Miss Cheryl, we're praying for your dad, and Miss Janice, we're praying for you and Brother Jim in a special way. I want to preach on prayer tonight. And uh, two gentlemen came up to me on uh, Sunday night, and I need to get with you, so don't leave tonight, Brother Sexton, Brother Market, if you would. I'd love to talk with both of you right after service tonight and uh, get plans to get with you. But um, I want you to open your Bible tonight uh, to the book of Genesis, chapter 16. Chapter 16, and we're going to read the whole chapter. And I want to bring a message tonight, really, on prayer, how prayer gains... Uh, the attention of God in times of hopelessness and desperation. And I would not have picked this passage, but I was reading through a little devotional and something just really popped out at me here about Hagar. And so let's look at the whole chapter here and let's read it together. And let's look in Genesis chapter 16. Uh, The Bible says, Now Sarah... Abram's wife bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram, had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, 
Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. I want you to mark that phrase. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now verse 13, I don't have quite all the handle on it. But this verse right here has kept me on it all day today. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called that name. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us tonight, illuminate thy word, speak to us, help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. If this story was not in the word of God, you would think, man, that's a lot of drama. It is a lot of drama. Now I want you to think about it. We know that God promised Abraham and Sarah a son in their old days. Before, it was after uh, that it was physically possible for Sarah to have a child. But we know with God all things are possible. So we know that he was going to give them a child. But just like us, just like many of us, just like people, just like human beings... She got impatient. She said, well, I know he told us we're going to have a child, but maybe she means that we're going to have a child through another woman. So she jumps the gun. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here we go now. We're, we have a wife that is so desperate and trying to do something that God's done, told her we're going to do, gives permission for her husband to be with another woman to have a child. So we know what happens. He consents into his wife. He goes into Hagar and she conceives a child. And when she conceives this child, of course she's pregnant with this child. She, Sarah realizes it. She knows it. And the Bible very clearly says here that she was displeased. She became very angry. She became very, she started to despise, which would be a normal human response. She started to despise Hagar. And the Bible says she dealt with her so hardly So ugly, so mean, so strong, Hagar left. So now we find it sounds like this is a modern day saga of an abandoned, pregnant teenage girl. But this is not. This is a woman that was given permission to be with a husband and in in doing so becomes uh, with, with child and now impatient because Sarah was impatient with God's divine promise Now, because she set all this in motion, now she's mad at this woman and basically runs her off. So now, this poor woman, Hagar, which just did what her master told her to do, she really didn't have a choice because the wife, she was the handmaid. In other words, she was a servant. And so basically, she really didn't have a choice. Now, obviously, we know she had a choice, but her being a handmaiden of this powerful man and his wife She consents and does. And then we find that here this poor woman that's pregnant, despised, homeless, and exiled in the wilderness is now all alone, she thought. 
she thought. Now this is what's amazing to me. In her utter despair, the Lord heard her cry. Now, I want to get, I want y'all to get a hold of that. In her utter despair, now look at me, after this awful thing is done, she thinks she's exiled, she has no idea what's going to happen, she's just done this thing, the people that has asked her to do this is now so upset with her, could you imagine how broken this woman is, how lonely, but I thank God this is a beautiful picture of our God. She thought she was all alone, but guess who showed up? And by the way, this angel of the Lord is a theophany. This was the Lord himself. And we understand it was a self-manifestation of God. So when we think about this passage of Scripture, after she poured her heart out to him, when he shows up, and by the way, he knew why she was there. He asked her some questions. But God already knew what, why she was there. The Bible said that he heard her cry. That's what summoned him to her aid. So once you think about it, the Lord heard her cry. He found her near a fountain, the Bible says, in the region of Shur. And then he started to inquire about the situation. And then after she poured her heart out to him, and by the way, she did. You know what he did? He comforted her. He comforted her. Yes, a lady like this that just had this event take place in her life, hiding, running, homeless, a vagabond, pregnant, outcast, didn't know what she was going to do. I thank God, God comforted her. Now, Here's what the Bible tells us. So thou shalt call, he said, you're going to have a child. You're going to call his name Ishmael. Guess what? That's his name. Now, we know there's a lot of problems today because of this son. We know there's never been war in the Middle East. There's never been peace in the Middle East because of this right here. Because of Ishmael and Isaac, the two seeds of Abraham. So we know that most of the issue that takes, and the Bible says that the descendants of Ishmael, which are Palestinians, we know, the Bible says they're wild men, everybody's against everybody. If you're over there in that area, you know what God said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before is true. I mean, they're always against somebody. They're always fighting even their own people. Said he's a wild man. So, with divine solace, I, I think about this. Hagar cried out to God in prayer. That's what it said to you. He heard her. He heard her. Didn't say he's seen her. We know he's seen her, but I want you to notice the word of God. How many of you believe the word of God? Every word is perfect. Well, then the Bible says he heard her affliction. So I'm going to tell you what she was doing out there near that fountain of sure. She was calling out to God. She was praying to God, and God heard her. Why? Because she even named him. Said, He's the God that sees me. And then she said, I have. Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Now, Hagar teaches us many things about prayer here in this little passage of Scripture. But I'm going to tell you the one, and this could really be the name of the message. Here's the greatest point, I think, that we can take from this prayer principle or from this principle in the Word of God. Desperation gains the ear of God. Desperation gains the ear of God. 
I would also say it gains the presence of God. But we find here that we find that desperation gains the ear of God. Look, it's the, it shows the sensitivity of God's heart. He came to this woman. He heard her cry. Think about that. He, he leans in the direction of loneliness. This woman, the Bible said, because the Lord had heard her affliction. She had been afflicted. She did what her masters told her to do. Then the Bible says Sarah got so ugly with her and she had to leave. So now here she is. She's homeless. She's, she's a vagabond. Uh, she has no idea. She has no answers. She has no direction. She's a handmaid. She's a servant. It wasn't like she could go somewhere else. She didn't have anywhere else to stay. She didn't have anywhere else to sleep. So she was in a bad place. She was struggling. And listen, I want you to know this. God's mercy is known in situations like this. Can I say, in such grace, He oftentimes, oftentimes, He prompts the very prayer that we need to pray through desperation. Can I say, we know not what to ask for unless He directs us and directs our hearts into asking. Where does this come from? Desperation. We know not what to seek after unless He reveals in our spirit what we must seek. We find this here in the passage with Hagar. She didn't even know what to pray for. But He showed up. Can I say, Thinking there is nothing more distilling to the overwhelmed heart than to know that God interprets and dissects and understands the language of sorrow. You ever been there? Desperation. That's why we don't pray. We don't get desperate enough. See, desperation gains the ear of God. We find it here in this passage. This Egyptian servant, handmaid, was not one of God's chosen, was not even an Israelite, but yet God heard her affliction and came to her aid. He came there because of her suffering. He came there and He heard her because of her, his, her affliction. And the desperation gained the attention and the ears of God. Can I say to the praying saint, there is something heavenly. This is a good quote. There's something heavenly about helplessness. Get it down if y'all want a good quote. It's not original with me. There's something heavenly about helplessness. You know, you're going to see greater blessings when you get to a place where you're helpless. Why? Because you're going to see the one that you might be helpless, but he sure is full of helpfulness. See, when we pray in this manner, here's what happens. God finds us just like he did Hagar. He knows where we are. God speaks to us. God prays for us before the throne. But I want you to know, the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and save us such as be of a contrite spirit, Psalm 34. So here's the thought tonight. Desperation gains the ear of God. Let's just talk about some things here. Can I say, God is drawn towards desperation. When we are troubled, we're overwhelmed with a heart full of angst. Look, He not only sees us and hears us, but He prompts us to pray, and then He prays on our behalf. 
I found this earlier today and I thought it was interesting. Uh, he, the revelation of God, he, he showed himself here to this little servant woman in a bad place. She's in a desperate place. The Bible said he heard her affliction. So we do know this is a theophany. He showed himself to this young lady. After everything that's taken place, God Almighty reveals Himself to this woman. And do you know, I want to just say this, this, this revelation of God to this woman, number one, it was severe. Can I say, Hagar was reminded of her fault, no doubt. But I also want you to notice, she was also exhorted. Also, when God distinctly spoke to her, there must be a severe element in a voice because He is the holy and ultimate God. And He spoke to her. Now we know in the Old Testament, they knew that no one could see God and live. Moses was hid in the cleft of the rock because God said, no man will see my glory live. So He hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. And he just saw the hinder parts. And the Bible said when he come down off of the mountain, his face was aglow. He was shining. This is an amazing, severe thing that the theophany, that God revealed himself to this woman. Of all people, this woman was severe. Number two, I'm going to tell you what else it was. It was soothing. <laughs> See, God abounds in mercy and speaks. And here's what's amazing to me. Not to afflict. Um, I printed something off, and I know I don't ever do this, but Mr. Clay, would you do me a huge favor? Would you run in the copier? I plumb forgot to get that piece of paper out of the copier. I found something, and I want to read it. Would you please go get that for me real quick, please? And uh, I would so much appreciate that. Never done that before. But because of my mind, I plumb forgot it in the copier, and I want to, I want to read it, and I, and I really need to... I'll just keep talking right here because this is the other thing that really encouraged me. He didn't show up and afflict this woman. He didn't show up and judge this woman. And I'm just wondering how many of us would have. I just wonder how many of Christians that I've bumped shoulders with in their pharisaical noses look down and absolutely not try to encourage this woman, but talk about how nasty she was. How sinful she was. And look, this is, this is convicting to me. I want you to notice that it was soothing. Why was it soothing? I found this and I want to read it. This encouraged me. The thought of God's eye upon us is usually looked upon as a thought to restrain and bridle us in the hour of temptation and carelessness, and so it is. But is this all? Is it fixed on us only to make us feel our infinite distance from Him who is our Father and our God, only to make us shrink and tremble before Him? In our cowardice and with our selfish love of forbidden things, we miss what is meant not merely to restrain us, but to be the greatest and most unfailing of our comforts. The thought that God sees us always is His great encouragement and help to His children in doing right. His eye is not the eye of a judge and ruler only, but of a shepherd 
and of a Father, the lover of the souls of men, these poor souls of ours and of our brethren, not sparing even His own Son for them. So in those bitter times which seem to shut out all remaining hope, while we are here, we shall know and feel that we are being watched by an eye of tenderness and sympathy deeper and truer than even that of any man on earth for his suffering friend. And so many we prepare ourselves for that day when our eyes shall be unsealed and we shall meet and behold each other. That's a a writing by a man by the name of R.W. Church. And I found that today and I thought that interesting because he came to the aid of this woman. Not to afflict her, but to assure her of his compassion. Think about it. That not only it was severe, it was soothing, but it also... It produces really the element that there was an impression here that God knowed her, knew her. And by the way, if He knew her, He knows us. He knew her. And by the way, if He knew her, He knows you. You know how He knows you? He knows you intimately. He knows me intimately. I, I, I got this. Sight imparts most vivid and extensive knowledge. One glance conveys more to the mind than the most accurate and labored description. God not only sees us, but sees through us. <laughs> and knows us all together. When we feel that we are thus thoroughly known in the innermost recesses of our soul, we recognize the presence of God. And I want you to know something tonight. He, he, rec- he knows you intimately. But not only does He know you intimately, He knows us graciously. God's seen this woman for good, not for evil. Were it not for this, the thought of his piercing eye would overwhelm us. But the eye that looks upon us is kind. I'm thankful for that. Are you glad we have a kind God? Yes, we have a just God. Yes, but the light of love is in God's countenance. And so when I thought about this particular uh, God showing himself to all people, this woman... That encouraged me that he reveals who he is. But let me give you a few things before I close. Number one, God understands. Based on this passage of scripture, I want all of you to take assurance of this. God understands every emotion of your heart. God understands it. Look, I'm a feeling guy. By the way, I know you cannot always trust your feelings. I understand that. I know that. But I'm going to tell you this. We are people of feeling and we have emotions. And by the way, God knows every one of our emotions. By the way, God, Jesus Christ, robed in the flesh, he also knew emotions as we do. But I want you to know something. Based on this passage, he knew exactly where this woman was. He knew exactly what had taken place. And I'm going to be honest with you. He knew exactly how she felt. He knew exactly what she was going through. He understood her sorrow. He understood her emotion of, of over, being overwhelmed. He understood her, her, her emotion of being lonely. And by the way, if he understood and came to this woman's aid, he understands yours and he'll come to your aid. He understands every emotion of the heart. 
Can I say, number two, God, based on this passage, God oftentimes uses desperate situations to ignite prayer in our lives. Why do we not pray? I'm going to tell you why. We don't need Him. But when we get to a place of desperation, was it not the atheist, you know, uh, I heard this story, I don't know if exactly, but basically uh, they was talking to some man in the, in the grocery store and they were trying to talk to him about God. He said, hey, don't talk to me, buddy, I'm an atheist. And then they get out in the car, and I mean, they went down that car, they got out in a bad car accident, and this man just had to be behind him. And he said when he pulled up and the man was hurt severely in the car that had just told him he was an atheist, the first thing that came out of his mouth when he got to him was, like, oh God, help me. Why? When we get in a place of desperation, when we get a place of loneliness, when we get into a, in a situation that's too big for us, see, here's what happens. God knows that. And so a lot of times, I hear people say this all, oh, God, don't put anything on more than what you can handle. You're, that ain't nowhere near Scripture. That's not what that Bible verse means, that there's no temptation taking you such common man. That has nothing to do with it. Let me tell you all something. Yes, there are many times He allows you to get in a position where it is too big for you and you can't handle it because He knows that's the best appointment that He'll get with you. That's true. God will use these adverse, these overwhelming, these desperate hours in our lives. What is it? It ignites us to pray. It ignites us to pray. Read them in the Bible. Think about it. When kings was getting ready to go up against these great armies and they knew that they did not have the strength, what would these great godly kings do? The first thing they would do is they would invoke their blessings upon God. They would ask God to bless. I love reading the, the, the documentaries and the, the, the historian and the, the biographies of the great generals in the Civil War and many of them that were godly before they ever had a meeting or ever before they went to a war room to talk about the, the tactics of the day. Man, they were invoking God's blessing. That was one of the things about Stonewall Jackson that all of his men and his staff said he would go to, go to prayer for hours before battle. And that's how they knew they were going to war. That's how they knew they were getting ready to get in a fight. Stonewall was such a quiet man and by the way I wish our government understood this now the, 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 the element of surprise I mean we live in a day now where we tell everybody everything Stonewall conquered the Shenandoah Valley with half the force of the northern army and the reason being is they didn't know where he was going to be but that was how his staff knew we must be getting in a fight tomorrow because generals praying all night long. Why? Because they knew what was facing them was bigger work. But see, that's what I'm saying. We live in a day where we think we can fix everything. We think we can handle, oh, well, I've done it before. I can do it again. No, 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 no. When we get in a desperate situation, we get in a lonely place. When we get in an adverse situation like Hagar, I'm going to promise you right now, that girl was out there crying out to God. Why? That's when we do cry out to God. 
And the Lord uses these adverse, sad, struggling circumstances in our life. What? To do what? To ignite us in prayer. It ignites prayer. Can I just say this? How many of y'all think our country's in a bad shape? Well, I'm going to tell you what it ought to do. It ought to ignite all of us in prayer. You know what we like to do? We like to sit around and talk about how bad everything is. But what we ought to be doing is say, Lord, this is too big for me. But God, we know you're able. And we ought to be ignited in prayer, praying for our country. I mean, look, I'm not going to get too political just for a second. Look, there used to be a time where communism was our enemy. We've just become so friendly with China. It's amazing to me. Let me tell you all something. Communism is of the devil. It's never been a friend to free people. It's like we've sold out to them. They probably own more land in America. I know they own more than I do. I ain't got but one little parcel over here. I'm told they're buying thousands of acres out west. You say, well, Pastor, what are you going to do about it? you just going to sit and whine about it? No, we ought to get to praying. It ought to ignite us in prayer. We ought to realize that the situation is too big. It's desperate. Hey, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what can you do? Well, I can't do a whole lot about it, but I tell you what, I can go to an almighty God that can do everything about it. Well, here's why. We just, oh, it's too big. I don't know. So I'm not that desperate yet. We will wait just a little bit longer. No, she couldn't wait any longer. She was pregnant. She was homeless. She was in a wilderness. She didn't have any place to stay the night. She was out there calling out to God saying, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but I am in trouble. And the Bible says he heard her affliction. Can I say this? Number three, God not only sees our desperation, and I love this, based on this passage, he not only seen Hagar and her serious, serious situation or desperation, but I love this. Here's what he did. He spoke to her, and he provided answers to her. Now, I don't know about y'all. Y'all ever get around people, and all they ever want to do is talk about how bad it is, and they don't want to hear about an answer? Do you like just talking and talking about and, like, don't understand things, or do you like, do you like to have answers for it? Now, I know sometimes I do understand this. I do understand the difference between a man and a woman. A lot of times a woman will talk. She doesn't want answers. She just wants you to hear her talk. And I'm okay with that. I get that. Sometimes, am I wrong there, ladies? Because, you know, we're fix-it people. So a lot of times I'm trying to, I really don't need you to fix it. I just want you to listen to me. Okay. But in me, as a man, that's the way God made us. We're a little different in that way. So we want to fix it. But here's the situation that God, here's what's amazing. She didn't have any answers. Now, I love how God interacted with her. Will you look at it with me? Look at verse 6. But Abram said unto Sarah, of course, we know that she said she left. Look at verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, I love how he, how he interacted with her. Whence camest thou? Well, he knew where she came from. But you know why he did that? He didn't do that for him. He did that for her. He tried to calm her down. 
He's trying to let her know, hey, I want you to know I'm going to ask you some questions so you'll engage in me in some conversation. Now look, this is God. And whither wilt thou go? She didn't have that answer. She had no idea where she was going to go. Now here's what's beautiful. And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. Now, that's all she said because she didn't know where she was going to go. She only answered the first question because she didn't have an answer to the second one. But what I love here, she didn't have to. Now y'all just sit still and don't get, don't get happy. Don't smile. Don't say praise God. Don't show no enamel. She didn't have to have the answer to the second question. You know why? Look, God had the answer. And by the way, He has the answer for you too. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hand. You know what he said right there to her? You go on back. It's not going to be as bad as you think. She's not going to hurt you. You know what? He gave her an answer. That she had no idea. She's out there crying, calling out to God. I need help. I'm out here. I'm afflicted. We don't know everything that she said. We just know the Bible said he heard her affliction. So she was crying out to God. He shows up. I love the the questions. Where have you been? Where are you going? She could only answer one. Well, I've just come from fleeing from my mistress. She couldn't answer the second one, but praise God, here's something about prayer. This is what's beautiful. Not only does God see our desperation, but He always speaks to us and He provides answer for us in our dilemma. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, he went farther. He said, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for So in other words, here he just put another little bit of level of assurance on top of her. So not only are you going to be okay, just go back and submit yourself. He said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to bless your seed. You're going to have this boy. He just gave her more assurance. You're going to be okay, Hagar, going back. So in her middle of desperation, she has no idea. Can I ask y'all a question? Y'all ever been there and you don't know what you're going to do the next day? Well, guess what? Y'all are here. God must have seen you through it. You know, some people all the time, oh my God, we're not going to make it, not going to make it. And then I see them a week later. Oh, Pastor, I just thought... Two weeks later, they're in church. Y'all are a quiet crowd tonight. He provides answers, doesn't he? God not only sees our desperation, he speaks to us, he provides answers for our dilemma. Now here's the last one, I'm going to close. When we do not know what to do, or even what to pray for, God illuminates through prayer what needs to be done. Now, here's point in case. She didn't know what to do. Even her question. She couldn't answer that second question. He asked her two questions. She answered one. Because she didn't know where she was going to go. He asked her, he said, where have you come from and where are you going? Well, that was her problem. She just fled for her life. She knew what caused it. 
She knew that this was a mess. She was having a child by her master that the wife of that man told her to do it. Now that she's done it, she's with child. Could you imagine carrying a child, going back to that situation, dealing with the anger of that woman, and you've only done what they've asked you to do. Your life is in despair. Your life can be taken. Your child now, you know that you're going to have a baby. Now you're fearing for the, the life of your child. This woman was in a mess. So a lot of times we read that little story, like even when we teach it in a Sunday school class, like, oh, that's just one of the stories from the Bible. No, I want you to put yourself where Hagar is. By the way, sometimes we read these people in the Bible like they're superhuman. I'm going to tell you all right now, they cry just like you do. She hurt just like we do. She was concerned for her child just like you would be. She was scared just like we would be. And to be quite honest with you, I ain't never been in a situation like Hagar was. She was in a desperate way. And she didn't have all the answers. She really didn't know what to pray for. But here's what's beautiful. She didn't know what to do. And you know what? I've learned in our lives... There's a lot of times we don't even know what to do. And I'm going to even say this. There are times we don't even know how to pray. It's so overwhelming. It's so big. It's so desperate. We don't even know how to pray. Brother Larry and I was talking. You know, this is intercessory prayer where the Lord prays through you. When he prompts you, you don't even know. But through the moaning, sometimes if you ever prayed, you you can't even say a word. You might just can grunt or cry or moan. Look, I've been so desperate in my situations that all I can say, and I mean this over and over and over, oh, dear God, help me. Oh, dear God, help me. Oh, dear God, help me. Y'all ever been there? I've been there. I can't say nothing else. Oh, dear God, help me. That's all I can say. Over and over and over again. Sound like a broken record. But I didn't know what else to pray. But you know what? I'm here today. He sustained me. He helped me. And we're putting one foot in front of the other. Why? He always provides answers. He always helps us. He always comes to our aid. He always leads us and guides us what to do. See, Psalm 27, 5 says this, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. I just did a podcast on this verse. 1 Peter 5 says this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, when we don't know what to do, when we, we, we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know what to pray for. I'm thankful. This woman, we don't know extensively everything she prayed for, but obviously she didn't have the answers. But I'm thankful God showed up and gave them to her. See, God illuminates through prayer what needs to be done. I've, I know I've shared this with you before, but you know, the more you pray about something, the better you should feel about it. I know I've shared this with you before, but it's just—it's a really good story, and it closes out till seven o'clock. 
But I need to hear it tonight even though I am saying it. Y'all know Curtis Hudson was the editor of the Soul of the Lord. I know y'all heard this, but I just think right here is where we need it. And, and he got off the plane so excited to see his family. He had all the sword subscriptions in his, ba- in his bag. And when they got there, he got in the car, was excited, going home. And he got like an hour away from the airport and he realized... Go, and y'all ever done that? The other day I forgot something. I was like, oh, I forgot so-and-so. I had to turn around and get it. And uh, he got an hour away from the airport. He said, oh, my. He said, I forgot my, 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 or, uh, my briefcase. He said, and he's like, oh. He said, no. He said, you don't understand, son. All the subscriptions of the sword of the Lord is in there. He said, there's $1,000 in that briefcase. People are going to think I stole their money. Because they had bought all these subscriptions to the sword of the Lord. He said, turn around and go back. And his son looked at him and said, Dad, he said, they ain't no good doing it now. He said, they done, somebody done took that. He said, well, just turn around and go back. And he said, man, the whole time, he said, I was sitting there going, man, they're going to fire me. I, I'm not going to be able to edit the sword of the Lord anymore. He said, this is God's money. They're going to think I'm trying to steal this money. They're not going to get their subscriptions. And he said, here, I left it. He said, all the way back. And he said, finally, my son said, well, Daddy, are you going to pray about it? He said, son, there ain't no need in praying about it. He said, that briefcase is gone. He said, well, at least I'd pray about it. Curtis said, well, ain't no use in praying about it, son. It's gone. So he said about another five miles down the road, his son said, well, Dad, you just, he said, all right, I'll pray about it. And he started praying. He said, the more I got to pray, he said, God. And he said, the more I got to pray, he's like, God, this is your money. This is your ministry. God, I know that uh, this is yours. This is more important about my name. This is your ministry. That's your money. These are your papers. He said, "Uh, look, I know you can put a band of angels around that briefcase and keep it safe. And he said, the more I prayed, the better I felt about it. Y'all ever been there? Yeah. Just hurry up so we can get out of here. Y'all ever, y'all know, have you ever been, and then after you pray, the more you pray, y'all just chime in now. Even y'all on the internet, y'all chime in, put amen or something, so I got got a crowd here. Have y'all ever prayed, and the more you pray about it, you feel better about it? Thank you. That's true. When he said that, that made sense to me because I've been in the same situation before and I'm like, ain't no sense in praying. But then the more I pray about it, the better I feel about it. You know why? Because we realize God is able and sometimes He puts us in a place He just wants to hear from us. And sure enough, y'all know what happened. He pulled into the airport. They jump out of the car. They go over there. And he said, man, we got over. And he said, there was like seven or eight security guards just standing around that briefcase. They thought somebody left it. and was a bomb in it. They was calling the bomb squad in and everything. And they said, we ran in there. And they said, whoa. He said, back up. He said, it could be a bomb. He said, no, it's my briefcase. And he looked at one of the security guards. He said, you know what? He said, well, how do you know? He said, well, I can tell you everything that's in there. There's a pair of glass in there, but he said, more importantly, there's, there's dozens of sword subscriptions in there. He said, sword subscription? He said, yeah, it's a Christian paper. And he said, I walked over there real slow, and he said, all them people were standing back like this. He said, I said, just popped it open. He said, there it is. He said, there was not one drop of money gone out of that suitcase. He said, he walked up to one of them security guards. He said, you're an answer to prayer. The guy kind of looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, well, I asked God to put around seven or eight angels around that to keep it safe. He said, and y'all was the angels tonight. <laughs> Who would have ever thought a security guard would be an angel? But I'm going to tell you right now, what you ask for, you can get. 
Open thy mouth wide and I'll fill it. He asked for angels to guard that, but even better than angels, he put some real physical people around there. And here's my whole point of saying that. The more you pray about it, if you pray about it, it ought to make you feel better about it. So let's learn a little lesson from prayer by a a poor little vagabond servant slave girl that was kicked out basically of her house, but God put her back in. And here's what's beautiful. In her desperation, it caused the Lord to come to her. And I'm thankful we have a great big old caring God, don't you? Let's stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I'm thankful that you showed yourself with compassion to this woman. And Lord, she didn't have all the answers, but you sure showed them to her. I pray, Lord, you'll help us that in our times of affliction that we'll call upon thee. Because we know that it gains your ear and it gains your presence. Thank you for loving us so much. We ask it all in Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Y'all are out one minute early. Enjoy it. <laughs>